Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. All right, lacrosse fans, you heard the man. It's time to take your seats, settle down, and get ready for LAX Class. Extreme Threads, LAX Class, here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Thanks for joining us here once again on Lacrosse Classified. It's Jake Elliott, and let's bring Evan Schemenauer in right off the top here. Evan, another big week of the National Lacrosse League in the books, and another big one on deck. Uh, thanks for joining us back here on the podcast. And let's not forget, somebody went a perfect 4-0 this weekend. We well, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll discuss that uh, in mere moments <laughs> here, but I don't know if we need to talk about that right away. But, um, yeah, uh, somebody is also still in the lead from last week as well, so we can also discuss that. Um, how was your weekend? Well, I mean, you can uh, always celebrate a victory when you're a Rush fan. Um you know, but minus 40, minus 48 the one night in Saskatoon. I know you loved it. Uh, you just can't really do much other than sit in the house and watch games. It's crazy, you know, to get still get over, well, close to 13,000 people coming out to Sastel Centre in minus 48 degree weather. It's just a real testament to, to Rush Nation and, and how dedicated they are to that team. I, when you're When I'm there, like, I literally go from the airport – to the hotel, the hotel, to the Sastel Center, the Sastel Center, to the hotel, the hotel, to the Sastel Center. Like, I don't I don't go outside. Like, I, the biggest gap of outdoors I have is from the hotel door to the bus door. And the bus drives right into the arena. So, you know, like, I don't even pack a coat when I go there because I just don't spend any time outside because you can't, like, you, you try and explain the cold to somebody there and you just can't do it justice because it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how people do it, like, year-round, man. It's crazy. No, I mean, this one's been unusual. We normally do get a week of minus 40 in January and just survive it and you move on. But, I mean, once it gets a little warmed up, you'll you'll like it because about a block from the hotel, there's a great park. You can go exercise there. The sun's up till like 10 at night, you know, come uh, May, June. So, you know, you'll get to enjoy it more once we get into the positive temperatures here. Well, I'm looking and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I'd like to kind of get out and, and truck about Saskatoon because uh, I haven't really had a chance to experience it a whole lot. Uh, enough about the weather here, Evan Schemenauer. Um, let's get into Week 12's action. There was four big games on the docket in Week 12 in National Lacrosse League action. So let's get into who we had, and you know the deal by now. It's presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They are your complete source for our boots, hats, belts, jeans, all things Evan Sheminar will be wearing at the end of the year. And they ship Canada-wide, located in Cloverdale since 1967, online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still... Shopping local, uh, Evan alluded to it, he had a good week, he did better than me, but I'm still in the lead, and that's what really matters at the end of the day. First game up was 2-7 and seven, Rochester, going up against 7-4, and four, the Georgia Swarm, at home, 
And no surprise in this one, really, Evan, but uh, a big night for Withers, and the faceoff dot goes 24 for 28, but it was a 7-1 third quarter for Georgia that really spelt the end for Rochester in that one. 15-11 swarm over the struggling Nighthawks. For those that didn't get to see the game, massive discipline problems for Rochester. They actually had an 8-7 lead early in the second quarter, all of a sudden, Jamison takes a slash way behind the play. Georgia gets a power play goal. They got another one right after that. Then Billy D. Smith is Billy D. Smith. As much as he's a great aggressive defender, he sometimes goes too far. And he, he claimed he was got speared uh, in the neck, but and then I didn't see it. I don't know if he was, wasn't, I can't tell. But all of a sudden, he takes a slash, then a couple punches to Jeremy Noble, Rochester's down seven minutes. And just as that penalty is about to get killed off, uh, it was a four-on-four situation because Georgia had taken one. Rochester took a bit of a gamble, pulled the goaltender a couple of minutes left in the third quarter to get a five-on-four situation. Um, you know, one guy blows a tire. Georgia goes, or Jordan McIntosh goes the length of the field, puts it in the empty net. And as he's shooting the ball, Goodleaf gives him an elbow to the head. Another five-minute major for Rochester. You know, when Georgia got four goals uh, during that 12-minute span, that killed it. It also killed any chance, really, that Rochester had to get back in this game. I absolutely loved Ian Garrison being mic'd up in this game. <laughs> it was it was hilarious to watch it, although a lot of F-bombs getting dropped because Rochester are obviously frustrated with the calls going the other direction. But Rochester's in serious trouble right now. They're four and a half games behind New England. Eight games to go. It's going to take a mini miracle at this stage for them to get back in the playoff race. Yeah, it's funny. I was kind of watching that game out of the corner of my eyes. I was preparing for for the game I was about to do, and I kind of looked and I saw an empty net in the third quarter. And you know, Rochester was down four or whatever it was, and I was like, "What are they like? Are they are they actually pulling the goalie this early to try and get a comeback in?" And then I saw the empty net goal go in, and and kind of all heck break loose there. And and yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm not. You know this this two and seven or two and eight now Rochester team is a far cry from the two and six team that went to the finals last year. I just don't see the same same makeup in that Nighthawk uh, lineup. You know, and and, it, and I guess it probably starts with Matt Vincent, and, and we've kind of talked about it before, Evan. Like you can look at what the Buffalo Bandits are doing nine and two with Vince in their lineup, and you can look what the Rochester Nighthawks are doing without Vince in their lineup at two and eight. And I don't know if it all starts and stops right there with, with Vino, but uh, that he's a large reason for that uh, discrepancy, I think. And, you know, he's not coming back. So I don't know what Rochester is going to do. And the other thing with the Nighthawks here, it's a tough situation. It's like, they're kind of a lame duck there in Rochester with everybody knowing they've got one foot out the door and heading for Halifax. And, you know, this is a, a really tough situation. I'm sure they kind of wanted to go out on a high note, but now the fans are probably going to be like, you know, why are we going to get behind this team? They're just going to leave anyway. Let's look forward to next year sort of thing. Um, so we'll see what happens down the stretch. It's not going to get any easier for Rochester. Well, it might um, with Callum Crawford's suspension looming, as we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Oh, we should probably mention who we got on the show, Evan. I always forget to do that. you got to remind me to do that, man. Um <laughs> We got uh, two guys coming off of wins this weekend from the San Diego Seals assistant offensive coordinator. Well, he's the offensive coordinator, assistant coach 
Good friend of the show and a good friend of mine, Josh Shooter Sanderson, will join us here in about uh, 10 to 15 minutes' time. And then from the Saskatchewan Rush, one of my favorite players to watch play and uh, just one of my favorite guys in general. He's the all-time leader in games played for the Rush. And my man, brand-new papa, Brett Mitski, will be on the podcast as well. So we'll look forward to conversations with Shooter and the man they call Ski. But uh, let's move on. The other thing I want to talk about with Georgia here quickly is Cole. Brian Cole. It looks like they found something up front here with Cole. Three goals, three assists. He had three goals on five shots for the Swarm in that game. Yeah, although, you know, once again, you run into that issue with Georgia. They've got a lot of offensive firepower. If guys start to step up like that, they're probably going to be uh, big pickings in July for the expansion teams. Yeah, true, true. All right, uh, so we both had Georgia over Rochester in that one. As we move along here in Stampede Tax, who we had, and next up was a game, again, that you were at. I was up in the booth for. It was the second installment of the Battle of the Prairies. Remember, Calgary took the first installment, 17-12, the first time they've ever won in Saskatchewan uh, earlier in the year. So the Rush were looking for some payback, and they get it here, Evan. A 6-3 first quarter, a 4-1 fourth quarter. Dixon and Doby were good for the Roughnecks, but that was really about it offensively. It was a well-balanced attack for the Rush. Shatler, the best player on the floor, was seven points. McIntosh was six. Church with five. Matthews with four. They really spread out their scoring. For me in this game here, Evan, it came down to Saskatchewan's transition game. Their special teams were their special teams, and Evan Kirk had another good performance. 15-9 the final in this one as the Rush now back-to-back games holding opponents under 10. They've won three games in a row. They're back up top of the Western Division and, and starting to look and feel like the Saskatchewan Rush again. Well, we'll see in a couple of weeks. They have a bye week, and then they face Buffalo at home, which Buffalo's only ever lost one game in Saskatoon, and that was game two of the 2016 finals. Uh, the transition certainly was uh, rocking. They had... The defense had eight points. You know, for a team that was struggling to get one goal off transition, it was on fire. But Calgary's holes in their defense in that opening half, you don't expect Christian Del Bianco to let in 10 in a game, but it wasn't his fault. You know, when the rush are constantly getting open 10 feet in front of the net, it, it was a shooting gallery, and there wasn't a whole lot that Del Bianco could do. Um, and Another guy you've got to talk about here is Kyle Rubish. You know, another absolutely amazing game. When Dobie was on the floor, Rubish tracked him. And you look at Dobie's stats. Yeah, he had three goals, but one was on the power play. One was with Rubish off the floor. All game, he beat Rubish once. And, you know, we talked last week about our midseason defender of the year, Steve Friolo. I'm starting to wonder if I should start to change my pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough because Priolo had the week off, but Buffalo's sitting there at nine and two. I think Pre's still in the conversation, but but Rubes is definitely working himself into that conversation. Uh, if he's not there already, uh, I was ultra impressed with Graham Hosick and 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 what he has been able to accomplish uh, so far this year. Matt Hosick. Yeah, excuse me, Matt Hosick. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. It, it's it's like his confidence level has gone up about five levels. And you look, you know, with Cornwall and Dilks going uh, out for the year, 
some other guys have had to take steps forward. And I think Hasek and Messenger kind of come to the forefront when I think about it. Like, they've kind of filled those roles. And then it's guys like Jordy Jones-Smith and, and Finley and Cornwall who've kind of stepped into those roles behind them. So everybody's kind of getting bumped up a notch here. But I, I really feel like the defense is well, much more well dialed in. Like, they know where the second and third slides are coming from now. And everybody's a little more comfortable in their roles. The offense was going. So... I just hanging around that team for the weekend. I, I just felt like this is more the the feeling I had earlier in the year. And and you're right. We'll see after a bye week, and then Buffalo coming in uh, best team in the National Lacrosse League. How they fare? They've struggled against the East. They've done very well against the West. Uh, but this will be an important game for them before they head to San Diego in a few weeks' time. So Calgary drops that one. Saskatchewan moves to six and four. Uh, another game in the West, and it was a season series on the line here between these two teams. Three and seven, Vancouver taking on four and four, San Diego. It was Vancouver with that convincing 14 6 victory earlier, um, well, just a couple of weeks ago over San Diego. Um, so you knew the Seals were going to be motivated in this one. It was a pretty tight game most of the way in front of 9,100 fans there at Pachanga Arena. Uh, Mitch Jones continues to impress Jordan McBride with four goals in that one, but uh, they come up short. Buchanan with five, Stotts with four and two, Jackson with two and four, and San Diego just kind of held Vancouver at bay. They they got the, the two-goal lead on them. They just kind of kept it there for the majority of the game uh, in that second half. 13-10, your final San Diego over the Warriors. And, you know, awesome stats. Finally, you know, he had a bit of a scoring slump the last couple of games. He comes back with four and two. A lot of people surprised. The uh, Warriors started Aaron Bold, not Eric Penny. And, yeah, Penny's the hot hand, but, you know, Bold was your starter. You got to give him a game here and there. And, you know, he stopped 46 of 58. He was just below 800 on the save percentage. He had a good night. Um, but it was just in that fourth quarter. San Diego had an extra step. They outmuscled Vancouver. Vancouver started to stall out and what have you. But Vancouver had some defensive struggles. Uh, face-offs, they were 8 for 27. Then they badly lost the lose ball battle. It was 88-65. So this is something that haunted them from the past. San Diego remains at just a half game behind the rush. Yeah. And... These two play down in San Diego in three weeks. Yeah, March, so March you're going to have another battle for first place. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm actually going to try and sneak down there, I think. Uh, got to catch the boss in a good mood and then uh, see if I can make my way down there. I want to just quickly go back to Rock. I don't know. You saw it. You kind of uh, alerted me to it, Evan, and Kyle Jackson's goal, which has to be the candidate for the goal of the year. If you haven't seen that yet, uh, check my timeline, check Evans, check the NLLs. Kyle Jackson goes, well, he's at the lefty shooter spot, but he's got his back to the goal. The shot clock's winding down. He goes between the legs, short side, top corner from about 15 feet away from the goal. An absolute rocket. Um, Unbelievable goal from Kyle Jackson. So go find that on social media because it's worth a look. And it's kind of been the same old story here for Vancouver. They're in games, but they just can't quite get over the hump. They're in it, they're in it, and then they're not in it. And um, loose balls have been an issue for that Vancouver franchise for the last number of years. They continually get out loose balled, and 
you'll you'll hear coaches from minor to major lose balls win games and there's a reason people say that because it's true and if you don't win loose ball battles on the, you can win some games without winning the loose ball battle it'll happen but more often than not whoever wins the loose ball battle is going to win the game and and that's uh, an area of concern for Vancouver they got to be uh, but they're just with all that being said they're just <laughs> one game back of Colorado uh, for that fourth and final playoff spot. And speaking of Colorado, the struggles continue for Pat Coyle's mammoth. As they go into, so just uh, once again, we both had Georgia. We both had Saskatchewan. We both had San Diego. We were 3-0 and going into Sunday's game. You had New England. I had Colorado. Black Wolves beat the mammoth 17-11. And... Man, do they love playing at the Mohegan Sun Casino. What are they now, Evan? Six and one on their home floor. And this game was like a three-goal lead for New England most of the way, and then they just kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. 17-11, your final. Black Wolves keep it rolling. They're six or seven and four now. Colorado, three and seven. And there's trouble in, in Mammoth Land. I don't know what, what they got to do there, but they can't score, and then they give up 17. That's not a good recipe to win games in this league. It was an interesting game because, you know, the first half, the commentators were kind of looking for some action to actually happen. I think it was 2 nothing after the first, and at the you know the five-minute TV timeout in the second, it was still 4-1, 4-2. There wasn't a whole lot happening, and then second half, everything exploded. How critical is this win for New England? If Crawford is indeed going to be sitting six games, and he's not going to be back until the last regular season game, they needed to get some massive, massive distance between themselves and Rochester and Philly. So they've got that. Uh, and he went off for 11 points. So, you know, yeah. he, <laughs> you know, he, he went, you know, he's, he's got his goal fill in it for a while. You know, Digby gets four goals. Even Eli McLaughlin continues to impress. Like the, the mammoth offense doesn't have much going for it, except Eli McLaughlin and Kyle Killen. You know, that's, that's, you know, but I mean, Ryan Banesh continues to rack up the points. Well, he like, had, I mean, Evan, he had like 14 shots in that game, and I think he had one goal, did Ryan Banesh. And, and Ryan Lee had yeah. two and four. He's he's taken a step forward this year as well. But you're right, Eli McLaughlin has kind of put that team on his back, and it's just not enough uh, in, in, in Mammoth Land. And, and, you know, Noble continues his struggles. But you're right, Callum Crawford, you know, goes ham in this game, thinking that it may be his last game for a while here. But we've kind of been digging around a little bit on this Crawford suspension here, and we're catching wind, Evan, and this you know, this is kind of breaking news here, I guess, a little bit. But this might not actually be a six-game suspension here for Crawford. Like, they may change this because of, well, I don't know how to put it. They may just, they may rescind a match penalty so it's not a six-game suspension. This is, this is what's the wind that's are blowing around here that, it's not it's not good to have a superstar on an MVP caliber season serve a six game suspension and I think this is really dicey territory here for the National Lacrosse League like okay now you look at Saskatchewan and Nick Bielich who if he does something stupid in the next 2 years he's gone for six Nick Bielich is not Callum Crawford but it's a slippery slope if you're going to start curtailing rules 
because of the profile of the player who committed the infraction. You know what I'm saying here? So, yeah, it's probably not good business yeah. for New England if their superstar player and a guy that's leading the league in scoring is sitting out for six games because he elbowed a guy in the head and did it twice in a two-year span. It's I get it. Like it's, and Kellen Crawford is not, <clears throat> excuse me, is not a dirty player. He's not a guy that goes out looking to hit people. He doesn't take a ton of penalties. All the rest of it. But the bottom line is, is he did it, and it's right there in video. The rule is in black and white. And now all of a sudden, because it's Callum Crawford, you're thinking about changing this rule in the middle of a season. Um, You want to be taken seriously as a legitimate league. You cannot be curving rules or changing rules because of the player's profile that committed the infraction. It's not a good look, and it's a real slippery slope to go down. How do you think Greg Harnett and the Calgary Roughnecks are going to feel if this, in fact, does change? Um, they're going to lose their mind. And I'm sure there's lots of teams that are going to lobby against this, but I think there's probably a few that are going to lobby for it. And I just, like I said, I like Callum Crawford a lot, but man, like you do the crime, I think you got to do the time. And the rule is the rule. And if you just change the rule because it's Callum Crawford or it's Lionel Thompson or it's whoever because it's a superstar, that's not a good look on the league. That's a real slippery slope to go down. No, and, and first off, I got to applaud Brian Lemon and his crew for doing the right thing. You know, they laid down the law as it was in the book. It wasn't a superstar treatment. He got the six games, and it was an obvious match penalty. It's not like it was, you know, and think about, go back to Greg Harnett. The second one, I thought it was a match penalty, but it's close. Yeah. Right? And he got nailed six games. You know, you know, whether it was intent to put Jeremy Noble's head into the boards or whether it was, uh, you know, just a run-of-the-play thing, but it happened, and the precedent's been set. You can't change it. I sit on a provincial disciplinary board in Saskatchewan. Once you got that precedent set, it applies across the board. It doesn't matter whose name's on it. Unless they're a repeat offender, then you got to attack it on. But, you know, New England's going to make the playoffs. And the odds of them, in my mind, of getting up that playoff set is minimal. I think, you know, I don't think they're going to get a home playoff game, not the way Buffalo and Toronto are playing, Uh, but I don't think they're going to get caught by Rochester or Philly. No. So, you know, what's the issue here? Well, that shouldn't even, that shouldn't even matter or be considered whether, you know, it's because they're going to get a home playoff game or they're going to get extra fans into their arena because Crawford is playing or they're not because he's not playing like that. That shouldn't even become into the conversation. The only thing that should really get looked at here is the rule book, the infraction, and the player's history. And that's it. Oh, I mean, yeah, if this went to the arbitrator, the arbitrator's got it pretty simple. Now, in Garnett's situation, he got it reduced to five because the arbitrator said 41.4, which is the rule we're talking about, the repeat offender, wasn't clear at that time as to whether it was five games or five games in addition to the suspension right. the penalty itself. So they actually but went back and changed that rule to make the language even clearer. Yes, and so six games was the bare minimum. One for the match, five for the repeat offender. And I don't have a problem with it. You know, if you're going to endanger other players like that, you know, there's no room for headshots in the game. Well, this is this is yeah. something that I think other leagues should take a look at, how serious the National Lacrosse League has been 
on getting rid of headshots. And and like I was talking with Nick Bielich before the game, and I was, I was he was like, he's like, man, like now if I do something again, like I'm gone for. And I said, yeah, I like that's it. Like don't do something stupid then. And he was like, man, like that sometimes things happen. I'm like, yeah, but you have to be aware that you're on thin ice right now. Like there's no. There's no room for error for you. And there is for other players. Like, you can get one, and, you know, then you get put on notice, and then if you do it again, then it's the book gets thrown at you. And and right now, that's the situation that Nick's in. So he's aware of it. Everybody else is aware. Like, I just wonder, like, is is the league and, and Bruce Urban going to bat for Nick Bielich the way that New England and Crawford and, and maybe some other Board of Governors are going at, to bat for Callum Crawford? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe they would, but are they even going to consider it? Like it it's because the problem I have with it, it's because it's Callum Crawford and it's because he's leading the league in scoring right now that they're even even entertaining the idea of maybe rescinding one of his match penalties so this automatic suspension doesn't kick in. Like that is if you want to be a legitimate professional sports league, this is not the type of thing that you do. No. To to keep one of your best players in the game. Like he did something dumb and now he has to pay for it. I think back a couple of years ago, Aaron Bold, Frankie Siliano both got match penalties for a repeat fight in the same whistle, right? And then a, soon, a few games after Harnett got his second, and Harnett got his two within three games of one another, but there was a situation where there was a buddy pass thrown three quarters of the length of the field and bold is running up almost ready to bouquet the guy and he stops mm. you know and there's just that instant thought you know i can't take myself out for six games because it just happened this is the kind of thing that needs to happen yeah you know if they're going but and this is exactly you know my point is i think back was well, three four years ago before 41 four came on the books and bill o'brien you know, cross-check Ryan Banesh in the head. O'Brien gets two games. Banesh is gone for six. Yeah. There's your superstar gone for a guy that's, you know, a borderline roster player. If you change the rule to allow a superstar back into the game because he's a superstar, the next time a low-level player takes out a superstar, you have to apply the same punishment. And that's not where they want to go with this. No, no. I mean, I just... Listen, if, if if this puts everybody else, player-wise, coaches, whatever, on notice that you're going to get preferential treatment um, if you're a, if a, if you're a superstar player, I think it's a better message to send that it doesn't matter who you are. If you do something dumb, you're going to have to pay the price for it, and this is a, a, an opportunity for the league to really set an example that they are serious about eliminating headshots from the game. And, and the, the fact that Brad Cree came out and played the next shift after taking that hit, like I saw, again, guys trying to defend the hit. Oh, well, you played the next shift. Are you kidding me? Like, that that doesn't get taken into consideration. Again, the things that get looked at when something like this happens is the act and the player's history doesn't matter like you you just mentioned O'Brien got a two game suspension Banesh was out six so should O'Brien should have served six games maybe he should have but you can't start equating suspensions to injuries 
oh, because the guy didn't get injured, the guy shouldn't get suspended, or because the guy was injured, the guy should be suspended as long as the guy is injured. That is a completely ridiculous argument. I'm trying to think back to to the point I was going to make, but you, you can't possibly consider this situation any differently. Here it is. Here's what my thought process. Match penalty, letter of the law, intent to injure. It doesn't matter if the guy gets injured. Did your action attempt to injure the guy? It would be the same thing as if you two-handed a guy square across the temple. It doesn't matter if he got up or not. You intended to take him out, and that's a match penalty. Yeah. I, I, like I, I, I want to say this, Evan. Matter. I want to say this because I don't think Callum Crawford has it in his DNA to go out and intentionally try and injure somebody. He's not that guy. Okay, like that, that's, I know that much. Callum Crawford would not intentionally go out and try and injure somebody. But what he did was it checked every single box. He blindside hit on a defenseless player, left his feet, and made contact with the head. That is literally the definition of a, a match penalty. And that's what he got. And now you want to turn around and maybe say, well, I don't know. I really hope they don't do this, Evan. I think it would be completely silly uh, and not smart to to even entertain the idea to do this. We'll see what happens, but uh, that's that's kind of the scuttlebutt we're starting to hear uh, coming early into this week. That uh, this 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 idea of maybe rescinding a match penalty to Crawford is being entertained. So uh, stay tuned. For that, that was a long opening segment, Evan Scheminar. We got to get to break because on the other side, we have the assistant coach for the San Diego Seals, Josh Sanderson, will join us here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also informed choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is John Gertler, the voice of the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminar with you. Uh, big thanks to our friends at Pure Vital Labs. Anything else would be unsportsmanlike. PVL.com is where you can find them. Make sure you follow them on social media as well at Pure Vital Labs, and you can check out uh, all the products that they have on the market, all the players they have under their sponsorship, and you get an idea of what they're all about. So follow them at Pure Vita Labs and uh, see what the good friends over there, Rob and, and uh, Ryan, my good friends, uh, are doing at Pure Vita Labs. Good stuff over there. Now join us here on the podcast. It's the offensive coach of the San Diego Seals and uh, retired NLL and Hall of Famer as well, Josh Sanderson. Shooter, thanks for joining us here once again. Uh, thanks for having me, Jake. Our pleasure, man. Uh, I know you're back in, in Orangeville right now, but uh, you were just in San Diego. I'll tell you what, I was in Saskatchewan last weekend, and it was like minus 712, 
and I'm watching Instagram stories of like uh, Bradley and Dawson and a couple of the. You guys are like out for a morning jog on the beach, uh, barefoot, uh, running along the sand. <laughs> I just like I, <laughs> I'm going to myself like, what is wrong with this picture right now? But uh, it's it looks just unbelievable. Yeah, it is really nice. Uh, you know, really good setup. Um, you know, we you know we get to practice outside, which is right outside the arena, and um, you know the boys are really liking it. And uh, you know, just uh, it's first class all the way. Uh, you know, Steve. Uh, you know, Steve takes takes care of uh, you know the staff and, and the players really well, and and the guys are playing hard. So uh, you know, so far it's just been uh, you know really good. I'm thinking back to when we, one of our first podcasts here this season, we had uh, Steve on the air. And when we asked him what the goal for the season was, he said, the goal is to make the playoffs, see what happens from there. You know, he thought you guys could get past Vancouver. Calgary, Colorado remained to be seen. The rush were going to be awfully difficult. Clearly, now the goalposts have moved. Uh, you're looking at a home playoff game potentially. You're potentially looking at first place. You could be tied for first at the end of this week. Has how good this team has been so quickly been a surprise to you at all? Uh, well, you know, we got a, we got a group of guys that are, you know, working and, and competing and, and doing uh, and everything Patty and, and the staff been asking of them. So, you know, obviously, you know, we just take it one game at a time. And, and um, you know, obviously the last game was huge for us to, to get the tiebreaker and get five, four, uh, five and four heading into the second half. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when Steve mentioned playoffs, obviously is the first goal. That's, you know, that was correct. You know, we want to, you know, we want to try to earn a spot in there. I mean, we took a big step on the weekend, but there's, you know, there's a lot of work to do and things can change in a hurry in this league. So uh, right now the focus is on Colorado. That's a, you know, it's a similar situation as last week. We can really get some separation and, and that's, that's our focus is, is trying to be real good against Colorado this weekend. Yeah, that's a huge game against the Mammoth coming up as we speak with Josh Anderson here. I, I want to talk about the coaching staff a little bit, Josh, because w when it was all formed, it was kind of guys that didn't really – I mean, you guys had lots of playing experience in the National Cross League, but not a whole lot of coaching experience in the National Cross League. And it was kind of like, man, is, like how is this going to work? But you, Patty Merrill, and Billy Greer, all former Toronto Rock players, all guys that played together and, and know each other very well, have really meshed together and have got this team clicking. What's the dynamic been like between the three of you? Well, it's been great. Um, you know, obviously, you know, started, I think, back, you know, playing with each other. So there's, you know, that respect right there. I, we're all good friends. And, um, you know, I just know, I, you know, coming in, obviously I knew Patty was the head coach and I know how hard he works and uh, how Creative job he's done, obviously with the Hill program, and uh, you know Six Nations uh, winning some Minto Cups, and, and Billy Greer, uh, you know, just such a great guy and, and such a hard worker too. Um, you know, so there's just a, a real good relationship between the three of us, and obviously we're you know we're working hard and trying to get the guys ready every weekend, and um, you know, ton of credit to the players. They really, uh, you know, they're really focused on um, you know competing hard every week and. and and trying to win that game. And, uh, like I said, we've had a couple bumps in the road, but, uh, you know, last weekend was so huge for us and, and uh, we're trying to get some momentum off it and, and get on a, you know, a little bit of a winning streak. Yeah. Talking about Billy Greer, because he, he seems like a pretty mild mannered guy and you're pretty calm and collected on the bench and you really kind of deliver your message, uh, 
very straightforward, but like Billy, he gets he runs hot, man. Like he is bouncing around back there. He's rah rah, and and he gets pretty fired up. Is 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 the mesh like between you, Pat, and him? Kind of everybody like you. You got Billy that's like way up as far as the temperature. You're kind of down lower, and Pat somewhere in the middle. Is is that how it kind of works on that seals bench? <laughs> Sometimes I think it depends how well the O and the D and, and everybody's playing, but. Uh... You know, Billy's into it. You know, he he's a competitor, and uh, you know, all three of us, uh, you know, very competitive people. So uh, we feel we got a nice balance, and um, we, you know, obviously uh, some games are different than others, but um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's been new to us. Obviously, it's our first time for all three of us on the NLL bench. But uh, again, we got a great leadership group, and so far things have been clicking pretty good. And uh, you know, we got an open line of communication, and and Billy's just. It was just great to work with, so it's uh, it's been a good fit. One guy on your squad I'm really happy for is Dan Dawson. You know, last year he had a you know a situation in Rochester where he became a healthy scratch. He gets traded to Saskatchewan. He quickly becomes a healthy scratch once again. Talk about his resurgence and just what he's meant to your offense on, for the Seals. Well, Dan, Dan's brought a lot to the table for us this year. Um, you know, he's part of our leadership group. You know, obviously he's producing on the floor. You know, he, you know, he can do a lot of different things, right? He, he's so smart and, uh, you know, size for picks is really important for us. And, uh, you know, just his overall IQ and leadership, to, you know, he's, he's done everything we've asked. And, um, yeah, you know, I think everybody's happy for him in our room, especially, you know, we had that big win against Rochester and, he played real well for us in that, in that game. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, obviously a great pro. What about the rookie Austin stats, Josh? I mean, there's been a couple of games where he's had monster games. There's been a couple of games where he hasn't really produced, but how special is this kid? Like he, when he's on, he's not only the best rookie in the league, he may be one of the best in the league period. And, and to be able to work with this guy, obviously a guy that, you know, you played the same role as he or on that lefty shooter spot. I mean, what have you been able to impact on his game? But just talk about his game in general, Josh, and how special you think he can be. Well, he's, he's very special. Obviously, you've seen, uh, you know, last weekend and in, in plenty of games just how dominant he can be. And, you know, obviously he's had a couple off games, so to speak. But, you know, he's also a rookie too. So, you know, um, there's some learning curves along the way. But he's been great for us uh, you know, great kid, works hard, you know, he uses his size, he, he, he can shoot every part of the net, so that's what I think he makes him most dangerous. He can, he can hit any spot, so uh, when he's on, it's tough for a goalie to, you know, to figure out what he's doing, and, uh, you know, he's just been uh, really good in the dressing room, too, and, uh, you know, Audie's, Audie's a big part of our club uh, coming coming in as a rookie and, and a first overall pick. He's He's uh, been delivering. And obviously not on your side of the bench, but uh, Frankie Ciliano, this is a guy that was a proven starter, lost his starting job a year ago. He comes into San Diego. And I believe right now he's second in save percentage. Um, obviously a guy that's contributing far beyond what you expected, uh, but a guy that's critical to your success going forward. Oh, for sure. I think uh, any goalie, on, uh, starting goalie on any team, obviously, is, is so big. But, uh, you know, Frankie... Uh, you know, Frankie's been awesome for us. He's, uh, he's been great off the floor. He's, you know, one of our leaders and he's just been steady every game and, and, uh, just a great teammate. And, you know, Frankie's, uh, Frankie's been awesome. So everybody's really happy for him. 
you know, saying that we're only halfway through the year and, you know, um, you know, we got a big stretch coming up. So obviously we're hoping Frankie, uh, keeps playing the way he does, but, uh, yeah, every, everybody's definitely happy for him and he's just such a, you know, great guy and great leader for us right now. Yeah. You got Colorado coming up and then, uh, Saskatchewan in a couple of weeks. I'm going to try and make that trip down to San Diego shooter. So, uh, clean up, clean up the beach house for me. Cause, uh, old Jumbo might need a place to flop around, uh, for a couple of days when I'm down there. That sounds good. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For sure, we'll take care of you, Jake. Good stuff, good stuff. Hey, uh, one more before I let you go. I think Evan has one more as well, but I wanted to ask you about uh, minor nationals this summer. They're taking place in my hometown of Coquitlam, British Columbia, Josh. I know you spent some time there, and and you got a, a couple of boys playing. What's the, the prognosis here for uh, for the young Northmen? Are you going to be making a trip west this summer, or what's going on there? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm the, for the team, Ontario national team, I'm, I'm, uh, doing the midget team. So, uh, my oldest son will be trying out for that. Um, and then, uh, my other son will be trying out for the peewees. So, uh, we're definitely going to be, uh, out there. Um, I'm, I'm obviously hoping both boys make it and, uh, you know, expecting a really good, uh, week out there, especially with so much going on, uh, lacrosse wise, it's going to be uh, really nice to be a part of and definitely looking forward to, the end of the summer a uh, brand new fan base in san diego um you never know how a new fan base is going to react to the game but give us a vibe uh, within the community there what's it looking like you know or how people are talking about it and even, even the atmosphere in the crowd when you get to a game in san diego yeah you know what it's been really good so far uh great feedback you know we had a good crowd on the weekend our home opener is really good and um you know the word's getting out it's on tv now so everything's been great that way and uh you know we're just hoping to you know grow it in the area and i think more people are going to keep coming and coming and you know besides the one home game they've all been you know pretty good games and uh you know the fans were in you know at the end of the game the other night it was loud and they're all into it so it's a really good sign and Obviously, uh, you know, we're hoping as the year goes on, each each game gets more and more people out and, and they enjoy it. And uh, it just keeps getting better and better. But, uh, uh, you know, Steve and, and the staff has been great. And, and um, you know, the marketing, it's all over the city, you know, on billboards. And uh, people are asking and, uh, no, it's been really good. Okay, well, just uh, no no cliff jumping in in closed off areas down there, Josh. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you don't have to worry about me doing any cliff jumping, Jake. That's for sure. <laughs> right, man. Hey, uh, appreciate your time. I'll let you get back to selling some lacrosse sticks and some some hockey skates uh, back at Sanderson Sports there in the Ville, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks down San Diego, hopefully. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. That was Josh Sanderson, offensive coach for the San Diego Seals. He has their Seals just one game back of the rush, and those two teams are going to meet in a couple of weeks. They have Colorado this weekend. That's a big game there for the Seals and the Mammoth, Evan, uh, heading into Week 13. Absolutely. You know, not, not only can they uh, catch, you know, stay keep pace with the rush for first, but you know, they're, they're going to be a good three, four games ahead of uh, Colorado at that stage and with just eight to go. It almost starts to solidify that playoff spot for them. And now they, they can not worry about making the playoffs and they can worry about getting a home, you know, a home playoff game at that point. Yeah, no, it's been a real good story for, for San Diego and the Seals. And 
I didn't think they would be this good this quickly, but, uh, you know, I've watched Steve Govett and what he's been able to do coming from Philadelphia to Colorado and starting up that program and, and seeing where it is now. And, and I had really no doubt that he was going to be able to do the same down San Diego, especially with an owner like Josiah behind him um, with all the support that he's given him. So um, good things happening down there in San Diego, and uh, it's translating right onto the floor as they sit in second place, just uh, one game back, and with a victory this weekend, can move back into a tie with Saskatchewan. So, Rush have that one go, our one game lead as they beat them earlier in the year, and uh, it's going to be a fun one on the twenty second. Uh, time to get to break once again here, Evan, on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. On the other side, we got number two from the Saskatchewan Rush. He's a brand new father. Brett Mitski will join us on the other side here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Teddy Jenner, voice of the Colorado Mammoth. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All-Stars. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions. They are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Make sure you follow them at Associated LP. Their website is associated-labels.com. And Sean Ashworth and the gang there at Associated Labels and Packaging are the best. So make sure uh, you follow them on social media. And then anytime you need a labor or package, well, give them a call and they'll hook you up. Uh, Brett Minsky is now on the podcast uh, from the Saskatchewan Rush. He wears number two. He's a brand new father. Brett, uh, how's how's dad life, man? Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, dad life's awesome, man. It's definitely the best thing ever. It's good to come home after a long weekend away and see the little girl's face. Well, tell us uh, tell us about the little girl. You and Kate have been together a long time. You finally have uh, your first child. What's the girl's name? Poundage. Uh, when was it born? When it? When was she born? Uh, all that sort of stuff. Give me the name. Give me the details. Give me all the stats. Uh the name's Goldie Jean Mitski. She was born uh, seven pounds twelve ounces. Uh, born January twentieth, which I got lucky because uh, we had a game the nineteenth and right. ended up flying home and texted her when I got off the plane. How you doing? She's like, oh, I think my water broke, so <laughs> went straight from the uh, straight from the airport to the hospital. So I made sure I let her know, let the little girl know before I left that week, and I say, you better not come. Otherwise, you'll I'll be in trouble for the rest of your life there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, she had so she listened, and uh, yeah, it all worked out. Well, maybe the more important question is: Is she a lefty or righty? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is an interesting situation here with you because I mean, the Mitski boys. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's four of you, right? That that all play lacrosse. Yeah, but you're all kind of defensive guys. But yeah. then you're married to a Goss, who is the, the last name Goss for for lacrosse fans will know is very synonymous with New Westminster Sandbay lacrosse and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, ever play uh, 
retired jersey, and, and I know that's I think that's Kate's uncle, but yeah. the Goss family are all kind of offensive players. So there's there's a healthy mix here with the Midsky family being D guys, and then the Goss family being all O. This yeah, could be like the prototypical. Yeah, this could be like the best lacrosse player to ever be born right here. Yeah, it has the potential, I guess. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, well, Brett, yeah. why don't we start uh, with a couple of days ago? Uh, a big rematch on the Battle of the Prairies against the Roughnecks. They won the first one, and they've never done that in in Saskatoon before, and that had to leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But you guys get some redemption with a. A pretty convincing win on the weekend over the Roughnecks. That one had to feel pretty good. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think everybody in the room kind of felt that uh, the last time we lost to Calgary was probably felt like the worst loss in the, since we've been in Sask. So to get a little bit of redemption on home floor, it definitely felt good. And uh, I think we only played them three times. So um, we want, need to make sure we won that game to keep that uh, – season series still uh, achievable against those guys one of the uh one of the big question marks coming into the season of course was you know the loss of Sorketti, the loss of cornwall loss of dilks um, and all these new pieces that had to come into the puzzle it took a little bit of time but it seems like now everybody seems to be gelling a lot better uh talk to me about uh, all the new guys you got uh, out the back door yeah absolutely um like jordy jones He's played every game so far. And, uh, he's been consistent since uh, game one. You know, he knows the system caught on pretty good. Then we brought in uh, a guy like uh, Travis Cornwall to uh, help out. And, like, I thought he had probably his best game of the year last our last game there. And, uh, yeah, McGrady, Finley, they've all been around the team for a long time. But, I mean, the type of defense we play is – it's kind of it's hard to pick up right away, but uh, I think after we beat Vancouver, we kind of weren't really happy with their performance. Only letting 13 goals, and uh, we kind of we watched some game film and noticed we're doing some things wrong every single game of the year so far. So we kind of focused in on those, and uh, the results showed in the last two games, letting in seven against Colorado, and then nine against Calgary there. So I think we're uh, we're all on the right page right now. Yeah, for me, as we speak with Brett Mitski, it's it's not so much like the first slide or even the second slide. It's that third guy knowing when and, and where to go. And it just seems over the last couple of games, like you mentioned, they've been that third guy has been much more in tune with the defense and knowing when and where to go. And that makes such a big difference in your defensive system. But a guy that, you know, aside from the new guys, Brett, the guy that you've really kind of played – the majority of your career with has been Kyle Rubish and the way that you two work together, checking the lefties as both right-handed defenders. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like clockwork the way, like, I don't even know if you got like a lot, a big key to defense is communication, but I don't even, do you guys even really need to talk to each other that much? Like knowing when to switch and when to stay and, and when the picks come because it's it just, it's almost seamless. Yeah, no, uh, that's for sure. I mean, I guess we played together for seven years now, eight years coming up. So uh, definitely uh, we know each other's tendencies. And, uh, I mean, communication is important and all that. But I think when you play with somebody that long and we played the same system, it's almost second nature. 
I think back uh, to the conversation we had, this was the day after the, the championship last year, and you're, you, you get to be a free agent. You could have uh, gone and played in Vancouver, you know, be closer to home. You get picked up in the expansion draft unexpectedly in San Diego. You could have made uh, franchise player money. So you, you take less money, you're further away from home, to play in Saskatchewan. Is that, does playing for the rush or playing for a winning team mean that much to you that it was worth the extra travel and the fewer dollars? Absolutely. You know, uh, I count my blessings all the time to getting drafted to, uh, to the rush. We've had such a, such a good, I'd say seven years since I've been there since the 10th year, we've had a couple ups and downs my first couple of years, but, uh, not every day you get a chance to play for a team like the rush right now and it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity to be on such a uh, such a good team so i wouldn't pass that up for anything in the world well you're the franchise leader in games played and uh, you know i think you're going to go down as as the leader in that category uh when it's all said and done brett uh now before we move on here like i i watched something over the weekend that i that i haven't seen so far from you guys and that was this I don't even know what to call it. It was it, it kind of it, it almost looked like it manifested organically. The offense was all off the turf and, and into the video room. The defense had a few extra minutes to spare out on the turf, and you go, know, you guys were kind of whipping balls at shooter, and then and then all of a sudden this little game kind of broke out where you guys were all, <laughs> were all kind of around the crease, and then somebody would take a shot, and then you guys would kind of like dive and poke at the. How did <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but it looked hilarious, and I've never seen it before. But it it seemed like it was something new to the group, and it just kind of came about. Can you explain what was going on, and and is this something you guys are going to continue uh, moving forward here? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been a kind of a group of us that been playing that game for the last couple of years with shooter, and uh, uh, it's I guess we kind of made it up. It's called we call it rebound, so. It's uh, us against uh, shooter. So first one to five, five uh, points win. So if we score, we get a goal, or we get a point. If he saves one and then get gets a rebound, then he gets a point. So uh, it's pretty fun game. And and I guess last weekend quite a few people ended up uh, chipping in on that game. So it's good team bonding and it's fun. Well, there's actually another game that you guys play in the warm-up where you're basically taking hoop shots for the crossbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That started a long time ago. Uh, Johnny Laugh started that back in the day, and it's kind of carried on. I even see guys that get traded from our team to other teams, they start playing that. I saw Calgary playing it a few years ago, and other teams kind of adapted to that now. Is that really like the sign of a team that's close knit and, and has good team chemistry is those type of things, Brett, like I know like going out to team meals is one thing and, and hanging out with each other kind of away from the rink is another, but these little, these little games that you guys play and, and the rituals and routines that you go through, those are real important things to, to help in a team win. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've said it since we've kind of had our, or guys and uh, been on these championship runs, it's definitely by far the uh, closest group of guys I've ever played with. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of infectious, that type of stuff. And that's what you need. Um, people have been on other teams before, and you kind of get the vibe if you've got the uh, chemistry to win a championship at that level. 
And I think that's the type of stuff that uh, people don't see that kind of really help out. You're, uh, we talked about Kyle Rubish before. This guy seems to be a human vacuum back there. He has caused turnover. I think he had 10 in the last couple games. Yeah. I know do you he's think he's the, do you think he's the MV he's the most he's the most uh outstanding defenseman now at this point in the year? I, I'd say so. Uh just the way he, he can manhandle anybody in this league, it seems like he takes the ball off. Guys in practice, like it's just textbook, go down the lane and one hand swat takes the ball away. But it's like you guys just like Mark Matthews is just laughing yeah, and said, like, geez, how does he do it? But that's the thing though, right, Brett? Is that like he makes it look absolutely effortless, but it's like oh, he's yeah. the only guy that can do it. Oh, yeah. If I try to do one-end swat, guy still has the ball. Kyle does it. It looks so effortlessly. <laughs> and the stick comes flying out of his hands. We're like, what the? the lead pipe in that shaft? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, before I let you go, Brett, uh, you had the big empty netter against the mammoth uh i thought you probably should have taken like five or six more steps before you let it fly but you put that thing uh on the bounce right up into the top corner uh, did you were you worried about that one when you let it go because uh i was like oh man he's shooting way too early uh, i wanted to shoot kind of where i did shoot but uh i didn't anticipate the ball coming off the court that uh that high i was just worried that if i let uh Ward will start running back a little more. He might uh, make me look silly and end up diving and saving the shot. But uh, I always like to uh, do a little bounce before it ends ends up in the net because those empty nets you try to uh, get in one shot end up bouncing over the net or whatnot. But yeah, luckily it all worked out. Otherwise, I'll go the boys a case of beer. There you go. It's funny how sometimes <laughs> the empty netters are, are harder than uh, than others. It just it's almost like uh, reverse psychology. <laughs> uh, hey, Brett, yeah. I know uh, you got to get back to work. I appreciate uh, you, you taking a little time here to spend with us on Lacrosse Classified and enjoy the bye week. Uh, enjoy the new family, and we'll catch up with you back in Saskatoon on St. Patty's Day, man. Will do. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Brett Mitski of the Saskatchewan Rush. Him and Kyle Rubishev and Sheminar, I I gotta say, like uh the best defensive tandem in the league, and it's not even close. And you take a look, uh, you know, when they played Colorado, they made Ryan Banesh look invisible. Um, you know, Dane Doby, other than, you know, a power play goal, he had one that he got past, and this happens time and time again. Awesome Stotts didn't have a big – he had a big night, but he had a big night while he was on the power play, not five on five. These two just seemed to shut that door and lefties are having a heck of a time over there. Yeah, and it, and it's no surprise why Derek Keenan went out and, and, you know, Brett wanted to be in Saskatchewan. They wanted Mitski back here, and, and they paid a price for him, but uh, I think it was a price that was well warranted because you just watched the damage that they, they do on that back end with him and Rubish and uh, – you can't put a price on that. You can't put a price on it. And uh, when you got a guy that wants to be where he is, uh, that that can help you along as well. We got to get to break, Evan, because you know what's on the other side. It's the sensation sweeping the nation. It's who you got by Stampede Tech and Western Wear, right here on Lacrosse Classified. On the other side, I will make my predictions to extend my lead. Over Evan Schemenauer next. Keep it locked right here on Lacrosse Classified on Lax Ulster's Podcast Network. 
Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. All right, welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Speaking of Extreme Threads, uh, they are our title sponsor here on the podcast. Make sure you're following them on social media as well, at Extreme Threads. They're on the IG. They're always posting up pictures of uh, the work that they do and the teams that they uh, create apparel packages for, and they do a fine job of it, uh, and you should follow them so you can see what they do, and then uh, that might encourage you to sign up. And then once you sign up your team for an apparel package, mention my name at sales at extremethreads.com when you sign up. Mention my name. Get free stuff. That's how it works right here on Laxcloth. So do that at Extreme Threads. Uh, big thanks to Brett Midsky for stopping by. Uh, good chat there. Is it's Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you, and it's time, Evan. It's time for the sensation that's sweeping the nation as I do my John Gertler impersonation once again. Who you got right here? Presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Now, for fans that don't know, we got a bet on the line. Whoever finishes in last, so second place, if you will, will have to get in a complete cowboy getup. And uh, then we're going to post some pictures up on social media. Thanks to uh, my friend Kevin Michael Winkler at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Your complete source for boots. Check them out. A huge selection of cowboy and blundstone, all CSA-proofed boots. They ship Canada-wide. You know where they're located in Cloverdale, my neck of the woods, since 1967. Online at stampedetack.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. And uh, you can give them a follow along as well at Stampede Tack. So, Evan, uh, before we get started here with who you got, let the fans know where we sit after Week 12 action in the National Lacrosse League. The overall standings, if you will, please. There's there's only one important number here, and that is somebody went a perfect 4-0 last. No, year. no, no, no. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's not the, that that's not the important number. The real important number <laughs> is the overall standings. Let's have it. You're 38-19, so 67%. I'm one game back, 37 and 20, 65%. Oh, that seems like way more. When you say 19 and then you say 20, 20 just seems like way more than 19. No, 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 no. The, the, no. the numbers have changed there. Um, so 38-19, that means I'm in first place. That means you get to host who you got. Think about it. I get to host. I had a perfect week, and no, I you're starting. You're starting so, to like I mean, take my <laughs> spiel away here, Evan. Come up with your own material, please, please. I'm no, in first. No, no, you no. get to host. Let's go. You, Who you, you got? Let's go. Let's you go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Friday night game. Buffalo front ends of a, of a doubleheader headed to Philly. Who you got? <laughs> Nine and two Buffalo against two and eight Philadelphia. Buffalo playing back to back games here, Evan. By the way, um, as I scramble to find my page from from who we had, 
Uh, just to just to let you know and the fans know out there, Georgia at home, one. Saskatchewan at home, one. San Diego at home, one. New England at home, one. All four teams at home, all one in week 12. I and think, those top four in the East are now 20 and four. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a wild stat uh, this season. That is... That doesn't happen, uh, but it's happening this year. But with all that being said, I got to take Buffalo in this game. I just think they're just a better team flat out, and the record indicates that. I know they're playing a back-to-back. Philly on the front half of it. Give me the Bandits over the wings. Give me the Bandits, too. They're in first place for a reason. I think they steamroll this one. Maybe they uh, save a little bit of energy if they're up big uh, towards the end for the next game, but yeah, I, I just don't see Philly having a shot in this one. But then we got Saturday night's game, the back end. This mm-hmm. one might be a tough one to pick. Mm-hmm. Georgia headed into Buffalo. Now we got that twenty and four stat, but Buffalo is on their second game in two nights. Who you got? That is a good question. I want to ask you who you got, Evan, before I make my pick, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that. Uh, Now, these two remind me now, Evan, these two teams played earlier in the year, and it was a convincing win for Buffalo in that one? The only home loss Georgia's had all year. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if I should take that into consideration or not. I just... I just feel like Buffalo is a better team than Georgia, so I'm going to take the Bandits. I'm going to take the Swarm, and it's just this, it's the tail end of a a back-to-back against a strong team. Yeah, yeah. I think Georgia's just going to have that little bit of extra energy that they'll carry it through, but it's, I was about ready to flip a coin on this one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not a a tough travel day from Philadelphia to Buffalo, and they play the back half of that home and home at home, so they're going to be comfortable at home. I, I just think Buffalo is a better team. So you're taking the swarm. I'm taking the bandits uh, in that yeah. one. Okay. And then off we go to the Mile High City, San Diego, looking to even things up in the West with the rush. Colorado needing to get some space on Vancouver. Mm. Who you got? Man, this is another tough pick for me. Like I. I honestly thought Colorado was going to kind of surprise everybody and come up with a victory in New England. It didn't happen. I heard Pat Coyle's post-game comments, and he kind of said, like, the previous three or four games to that last one there, he felt like the Mammoth were taking steps in the right direction, but he almost said that he felt them go backwards in that last game and that, quote-unquote, the inmates were kind of running the asylum and, and – doing things that weren't really in the game plan and kind of beaten to their own drum a little bit. That's not a good sign. With all that said, like this to me is Colorado's season right here. And I know it's not, but this is like a huge game for the Mammoth. If they want to create that separation between Vancouver, they're at home here. Things are going sideways on them. If they want to turn their season around, I, I circle this game right here against the Seals. Man, I want to take Colorado in this game. I'm going to take Colorado in this game. Prove me right, Mammoth. Give me Colorado over San Diego. Maybe I get my chance to take the lead here. I'm going to take the Seals. And the, the simple reason is, is that Colorado had a terrible game this week. 
They couldn't get their offense going in Saskatchewan. Until they get that offensive unit going the way it needs to go, I can't pick them. I know. It's that simple. You I know. know. I, I just can't. I think this and, is the weekend that they do get it going there, so I'm trying to get ahead of the curve. I don't want to wait for them to get going and then pick them. I want to pick them believing that they will get it going. Yeah, well, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, and those, the Seals are going to have, I think, just a few too many weapons up front. You can try and isolate thoughts and, you know, a guy like Kyle Buchanan who had five goals this week can burn you. So I'm just going to take the Seals. And okay. then here's another one that I'm ready to flip a coin on this last one again. Mm-hmm. Toronto headed out west to Calgary. Toronto coming off a of bye week. Yeah. Who you got? Ooh, man. I... <laughs> I don't like going first is what I don't like doing. So... Um, I'm almost hoping you're in the lead after this week, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, Toronto at Calgary. Toronto coming off a bye week. Calgary coming off a loss. But they're at home. Oh, man, I got to take the rock in this one, Evan. I just I don't think the bye week is going to affect them. I think uh, they're going to bounce back after that loss in New England. They want to keep pace with the Bandits. They're having a heck of a season here. Give me the rock. I'm going to take the rock. While you were talking, I did flip the coin. <laughs> and, and what are, yeah, what are, like who, who had ago. heads? Who had tails? Heads is for home. It always is, right? Okay, okay. Um, and I'm going to take the Roughnecks. Uh, it, that's what the coin told me to do. Um, Ooh. And, you know. Listening it, to it, a coin it, now, at, are you, Evan? It's at home. You know, Toronto's coming off the bye week. I think that will affect them. It does affect most teams. And I don't see Del Bianco letting in 15 goals in two straight games. Um, Listening but, to a coin. What was it? A dime? Was it a quarter? Was it a loony? It was what a quarter. A, okay. It was a quarter. But I could justify either team winning this game. Yeah. That's why I just let the coin do the talking because the coin beat me in picks two years ago. Right. I so remember that. The coin says to take the rough back. <laughs> 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 okay, so to recap here, just uh, to recap, I'm one game ahead at 38 and 19. You're at 37 and 20. But this week, this week 13 here, Evan and Stampede Tax, who you got? Uh, a lot of differenti- differentiating picks here. We both have Buffalo to beat Philadelphia. I have Buffalo to beat Georgia. You have Georgia to beat Buffalo. So there's one different. You have San Diego. I've taken Colorado. There's two different. I've taken Toronto. You've taken Calgary. This might be the most differentiating picks that we've had all year long. Three different picks out of the four games. We've had that before, but it was when there were seven games. Okay. So not when there was just this few. All right. So either way, somebody is going to be in the lead after this weekend. That's correct, right? My math is correct on that? No. No, if if I get two of the three differentiating picks right, then we're tied still. Well, that's why you're an accountant. So, but that would mean if we get tied, but you had a better week, I get to host. So that that's that's correct. Correct. That's correct. Okay. Now, but the odds of that happening, I think, are slim to none. Well, you're an accountant, um, so <laughs> you you would know odds. But uh, let's see how week but, 13 plays out. It's getting down to crunch time here, Evan. Like, we're into week 13, believe it or not, and that is kind of hard to believe. But uh, 
That's the way it is. Philadelphia, by the way, coming off of back-to-back bye weeks. I don't know what the heck is up with that, but uh, I don't think any team Each really schedule. likes that. Yeah. These schedule makers, I don't know what happened this year. Like, I get it that there's tough situations. You know, there's there's one game coming up in April where the Rush play in San Diego on Friday night. They got to catch a 6.30 a.m. flight to Phoenix to catch a connection yeah. to Saskatoon that gets in after 4 o'clock. God forbid the plane gets delayed in Phoenix and have to play a 7 o'clock game against Philadelphia. Like, that's you got to t- think some of these things through. That's a toughie. That's a toughie for sure. But that's that's life in the NLL, man. I think that's, you know, at least once a year, every team is going to have to go through something like that. may not be that, that dire, but... Uh, you know, uh, like six guys didn't get their gear last last week uh, when they arrived in Saskatoon, and and it wasn't you know like that's just almost par for the course. That's going to happen throughout the year, and that's something you just deal with and 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 move along from. So, um, not but, a, not an ideal in, schedule, but uh, something they got to deal with. But back in 2016, we had a lot of these home and homes, and I loved them. Just give me a lot. Um, you know, both teams. Playing in each one another's barns the same weekend, love it. Yeah, ideally, yeah, ideally, I think that is is what they would like to do if they can. Unfortunately, with NBA and NHL and whoever else is in their building, sometimes uh, they don't get the the number one time slot, and that's just not feasible uh, for teams to schedule that type of thing around. But I think in a perfect world, yes, if you're going to play a home and home. Um, have each team do it uh, on the road and then at home against each other. That would be perfect. And I think, you know, that second half of the home and home, especially if they're playing on the same weekend, it just makes that second game makes for fantastic lacrosse um, because they've just played against each other. They already hate each other. And, and then they got to go do it again 24 hours later. Um, that makes for good lacrosse. So, Maybe one day, Evan. Maybe one day we'll see that. Uh, we're just about out of time here on Extreme Trends Lacrosse Classified. We thank you once again for hanging with us uh, here again on a Tuesday and, and every week on Lax All-Stars. Um, trade deadline coming up, Evan, and uh, I think we're going to see some pretty significant movement here um, for a number of teams. Like This next couple of weeks is really going to determine whether teams are in it or not in it. And I think teams that are in it are going to go looking to the teams that aren't in it and see what they can pluck away from them to kind of bolster their roster heading into what I would say is a wide open playoff this year. Like, I don't think there is a real big time clear cut favorite um, that's going to be like, okay, they're, they're winning. Like, I think you can put Buffalo, Georgia, Toronto in the East. I think you can put Colorado, or excuse me, Saskatchewan, San Diego, Calgary in the West, like it, it's pretty wide open. And and if you can acquire a player or two, that's going to help your cause. That might just push you over the top. A couple of things you could see happen. Now, one difficulty is going to be is that out of the eleven teams, nine of them are really still in it. So your pickings are pretty much from Philly and from Rochester. Do some of them look at some of their? Uh, older players say, you know what, let's get some draft picks or let's get some youth back for them. That's a possibility. The other thing that, uh, you know, you're catching wind of here and there is do you start to look at trading somebody that you can't protect in July? Yeah. And that's an, that's an entire possibility that could happen. I think you'll see more of that play out as soon as the finals are over, but it, it could happen. I'm not expecting, 
an overly active trade deadline. I think last year there was just one deal. So well, um, I think there's going to be more. And, and Evan, like you're saying, like Philadelphia and Rochester, the only team. I think if teams are being honest with themselves, like Vancouver, Colorado, even if they do squeak in, like I, I don't know, man. Like I, I would be honestly thinking about the future a little bit more if I was those teams. And like I said, the next couple of weeks may kind of dictate on how much they actually believe they're in it or not in it. Um, but I think you really got to start thinking about the future if you're if you're some of those teams. And and like you said, maybe for guys that you can't protect. And who knows? Like maybe a team that's at the top of the standings go – I know that's a lot of maybes, but maybe a team at the top of the standings like overpays for a guy – they a deal that offers up a deal that you just can't turn down because it's that good. So I think there's going to be more movement than we saw a year ago. We shall see. Uh, by the way, I know there was a story coming out of Saskatoon that um, they had their Tele-Miracle Night um, on the weekend, and it's a fundraiser for you know young families, uh, older people, all sorts of – you can probably explain it better than I can, Evan, on what Tele-Miracle is all about, but – there was a, a story that uh, somebody walked out with a bucket of donation money. There was a picture that got snapped to the person. They've uh, well, you tell it, Evan, because I know this person is now in police custody. Yeah, uh, Tell a Miracle is a fabulous fundraiser in Saskatchewan. It's been going on for forty-three years, and Saskatchewan's population is one million people. So keep that in perspective here. They do a telethon. It starts nine p.m. on Saturday. It goes for about 20 hours all the way to 5 p.m. on Sunday. It's when we were kids, it's the one night that we're allowed to stay up as late as we want. A bunch of celebrities come out and they raised $5.6 million. And the rush raised $30,000 at the game through Teddy Bear sales and passing the bucket around. They'll probably raise another 10,000 or so through a Jersey auction. But unfortunately there was an incident where one of the pails was through one of the sections uh, was stolen by, I'm not going to use the word fan because a fan doesn't do this, but somebody in the building took off with it, the, you know, ran off with the money. Um, well, but a human being doesn't do something there. like that. Like that just, I mean, to steal from a charity, like that's about as scummy as you can get. Yeah, but uh, luckily the, the person that has been found, uh, the police are uh, still investigating the incident, but uh, there was a press release last night that that has been uh, addressed. Well, that's good, and, uh, you know, for whoever did that, uh, like, give your head a shake. Uh, stealing from a charity, I mean, you, I know there's some desperate people out there, but, man, oh, man, uh, I don't know how you sleep at night doing something like that. So, anyways, I'm glad the money was recovered, and uh, a great job from Rush Nation to help raise that kind of uh, dollar figure for a fantastic charity. So, well done to Rush Nation and Saskatchewan in general. I know, uh, Evan, you got a random thoughts coming out uh, early this week. We're recording on Monday. show comes out on Tuesday. When's random thoughts coming out? It's going to come out Tuesday morning, I believe. So, just got to get the last few touches on it tonight. Okay. We'll look forward to that. And this Friday, the the big swim race is going down between myself, Eric Penny, and Julian Kolb. Uh, I think we've picked the pool. I think we've picked uh, the date and the time. Um, so, now we just got to 
managed to sneak a camera phone in there and <laughs> actually film film this race because people seem to really want to watch it. So, um, well, I'll be uh, and my donation doubles if you win. That, so yeah, keep that in mind. As, yeah, as does a couple other people's, and uh, I'm actually encouraging that for the people that contributed. Double up your pick your guy, and if they win. Double up your contribution. Let's try and help Boldy as much as we can. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a fantastic idea, Evan. I appreciate your support. I'm not sure I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to try, but, um, you know, just keep in mind here, I'm going against guys that are 10, 15 years younger than me and professional athlete uh, in the mix as well. So uh, Jumbo Phelps uh, can get it done in the pool. We'll see if uh, he can get it done against some competition in the pool. Uh, coming up this Friday, so look for that. Uh, well, that should be a lot of fun. Um, I think that's it, Evan. I think that is it for this week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Shamlax. I'm at PXP for Sports, and the show is at Lax Class. Don't forget to follow our sponsors at we- as well at Stampede Tech, at Pure Vital Labs, at Associated LP, and at Extreme Threads. Give those guys a follow. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Brett Mitski and Josh Sanderson for coming by the show and to you, the listener. As always, for checking out Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified every single Tuesday right here on Lacrosse. All-Stars will be back next Tuesday with another big show, so look forward to that. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, I'll talk to you next time here on the Cross Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network.